What's up, folks? This week on Brosens, we are talking about 401ks, life insurance, you name it. Finances, the ins and outs, things that we've done well, things that we've not done well, things that we'd like to do differently. Hopefully, you'll be able to learn a little bit from us. Let us know what you think. Let's get into it. Thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you very much. God, it's a long. What's up? What's going on, bro? How's it going, man? Good. I am uh, in the spirit tonight. In the spirits tonight. In, in, into the spirits. It's into just, the spirits tonight. That's right. So a little uh, more. A little more accurate. I probably need to be four roses, small batch. Well, there you go. We still need it. We still need to do our um, our um, adult beverage episode. I need to put that on the books. I don't know if we'll do it before. You know, we probably should. We should do that one right before actual Christmas. So I know we're recording today. It's just now the start of December. But so mm-hmm. this one will probably. This will be what we've got an episode airing this week, this coming Sunday, and then this will mm-hmm. be the one after. That. So we we have I think one more maybe two more before Just Christmas. Give drinking advice to everybody before family get-togethers. Yes, we could, but see, I think it'd be good. Could share share some of your eggnog with everyone. That'd be great. Yeah, you know, I didn't make any this year. Uh, I'll have what? to. I just I know, I know, I know. I'm I'm a lot going on. So I think uh, I just been spiking the store bought stuff. Alton Brown would be well. disappointed in you. I do add freshly grated nutmeg though, even to the store bought. Look, not gonna lie, some of the some of the um, store bought ones are are pretty good right out of the bottle. I mean, uh, the the Southern Comfort um, Comfort is good. Yes, not not the vanilla one, the original one, the black in the black cart. Yes, is, uh, the vanilla one, the, the vanilla spice, or I think it's the red one. It's okay, but the black one not bad. So, uh, did you get any more uh, work done on your Christmas lights? Get that going? I uh, have not. It rained today and uh, we were busy the last couple of days getting things around the house more situated and some inside decorating done we did not get the roof lights up yet so well uh, maybe this weekend uh, maybe tomorrow or the day after i will be able to go and install it knock, knock on wood i speaking of speaking of lights and christmas and lighting up like a christmas tree which i still haven't done our we haven't done our inside outside is done we're going to work this weekend on the inside stuff since the weather's kind of supposed to be rainy but so i had to take my son's car into the shop so sean's car um i can't remember if we'd mentioned this but he had um, a couple months back he got into a car accident not his fault um a deputy local county deputy sheriff's deputy rear-ended him totaled his car so we got him a new car had this car two months and he's like dad i've got all these warning lights going off and he sent me pictures Literally almost every light except his check engine light is coming on on his dashboard. It's like, this I hate is it. I hate it when my car celebrates with Christmas lights before Christmas. I'm just like, one light goes out. No, it's, it's like, now why the hell are they blinking? Um, yeah, so I had to take it over. I mean, the car's too, it's got like 1,800 miles. I mean, seriously, mm-hmm. less than 2,000 miles on it. So 
not sure what's going on. Obviously, it's under warranty, so they're going to take a look at it. So hopefully we'll yeah, find something. Sounds like maybe a body control module or. Yeah, it totally sounds maybe, like. Maybe it needs a software upgrade on the on the computer, on the ECU. Like Almost, almost guaranteed that it will, but. Um, Did you try turning that, it off and turning it back on? That's right. I'm like, I need a reboot. Um, mm-hmm. It's crazy. All, all, everything today, you know, we go back to our planned obsolescence episode. If yeah. you didn't watch that one, go watch it. It's a good one. But yeah, it's well, speak, uh, speaking of disappointments, we thought, well, we messaged each other about this earlier. Daggone, there's a massive solar storm tonight I know. and it is cloudy and rainy. And so we're in North Carolina and there's actually a chance that if the skies were clear, we'd be able to look north and see the Aurora Borealis, the northern lights, because of this massive solar storm. Uh, and it's raining. So if you're this not in a rainy area, like, congratulations, go outside at between midnight and four. Yeah. And look uh, look at the Aurora Borealis and pray that the grid doesn't go down. This is this is like the second second time, I think, or third time that it's happened. And I don't know. Maybe I think it's the second time. and and bunch of years doesn't happen very often but yeah and both times you know this time and the previous time it was cloudy the night it was you know we had the best chance of seeing it yeah that's like every august is the the perseid meteor shower and that was mine and britney's first date as we went out to the field and looked at the meteor shower together yeah and it's the last few years it's been uh overcast and rainy and then before that we had little tiny babies and it's like man it's like it's been quite a while since we've been able to go out and watch it and have a nice night to do that. Uh, yeah, but now that. now we're married. You know, the date nights are are fewer and far between, but oh, they're still, still great. Yeah. Nice so this week. Quiet. Yeah, I know. So this week we're gonna we're we're gonna speaking of marriage, I'm gonna try to try to segue there um into topics for this week. I think you know we've we've mentioned it a few times here and there. Um finances and talking about money. And so I'm going to, before we kick into our episode, I'm going to throw this disclaimer out there. This, we are not financial advisors. This is not legal advice. This is not legal financial advice. This is not paid financial advice. This is us just giving our perspective on things. Do with it what you will. Yeah, what, what works for us. And I mean, you know, I think uh, we, were, we were trying to figure out what to talk about. And I'm like, you know, this time of year, there's a tendency of everybody to overspend at the holidays. I'm guilty of it. I know you're guilty of it. Um, but uh, just in general, like I, I know we talked about, we do want the show to be entertaining and fun, but at the same time, we want to try to pass on some wisdom where we can. And uh, Lord knows we have both uh, not been great with finances in our past. And now we're both doing pretty good. And we've learned some hard lessons. Oh, yeah, absolutely. About how to manage it. And there's different viewpoints on this and, and what necessarily works for me uh, is not going to work for everybody or someone will have a different view on it. So um, yeah, kind of, kind of where we're at, I think. So yeah, I, I'm going to, I'm going to kick it off and I, I'm going to talk about, and we, we can take in a couple subjects. So number one, I'm going to talk about the subject because this one's really important to me and I want to explain some things um, why I feel this way and why I manage our household money this way. Number one is my wife and I have separate bank accounts. We, as much as possible, try to keep our finances separate. Um, The way household bills get paid, uh, I would tell you how it started. I'm going to tell you where we are. So this is actually, I would love to have credit for this idea, but I actually heard it from Susie Orman. So 
make of that what you will, but I think it's great. And it's worked for me um, a bunch, even with my ex-wife, we had money problems and we fought over money and then we implemented this and the money problems went away. We take our household income combined. So if I earn 60% of the money and she earns 40% of the money, then I am responsible for 60% of the household bills and she is responsible for 40% of the household bills. Take that money, put it into a joint bank account. So that's lesson number one is you can have multiple bank accounts. A lot of people are under the impression you can only have one checking account. I think I have four or five checking accounts. If you didn't know that, you can have more than one checking account. So we have a joint account that we're in together and we divvy up, used to divvy up the money like that. Now we basically just kind of we pay the bills. Like we know which bills ours and which bills the other person's. And actually most of it's really not true. Now we've actually moved beyond that to credit card hacking where everything runs through our Amex uh, in order to get points because it's bills we're going to pay anyway. Then we pay it off every weekday, every Friday. Uh, we, we pay the Love Amex. my Amex, man. Love my yeah, Amex. Yeah. So yeah, that's number one. And, and the reason that this is important for everyone's out there, I, I've heard from both sides, you know, people are like, yeah, that's great. And other people are like, no, your money's together. Why are you trying to hide money from your, your spouse? In my experience in law enforcement, I saw a number of people who were being financially manipulated and financially abused by their spouse, both male and female, husband and wife. It went, it went both ways. Uh, by and far, it was definitely men financially manipulating the women. And I have two daughters. Uh, got two sons also, but I got two daughters. My children will always be independent so that if something bad happens, they have a means to take care of themselves. So that's number one. That That's just the reality of it. Anyone who doesn't teach their children to manage money on their own, you're setting your children up for a lifetime of uh, just kind of misery and failure financially. And to be dependent on a spouse to make all the financial decisions is not really great. You at least have to have an understanding. So that's kind of number one. Yeah. Number two. I, yeah. Before ahead, you sorry. do that, let me, yeah, let me add, add on to that too. I think, I think you hit on something there too, right? It's, it's, you kind of got to prepare for the worst, right? So that's, if that's part of what that lesson is there, it's prepare for the worst. You go into a marriage, everything seems great. When you're young, you're dating, even you're going to fight and argue when you get married. Yeah. There's, there's like a list and that most people will tell you the biggest things that you'll fight over are, are one of the biggest things is going to be money. Um, that's, that's going to happen. I don't care what, what you do. You're, you're going to have arguments about it, but you know, you go into your marriage and you think, you know, in your plan, and in your head, it's everything's going to be great and you're, it's going to last. Um, and I will tell you through my own experience that that no matter how much you try, no how much hard you try, things happen. You know, it, it, you may not expect it, but if you plan for it and you're prepared, having having that safety net and having those things separate does make getting through those situations a lot easier. Um and so I think that's kind of the key takeaway there is just be prepared for the worst. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, to expand from that, there's some practical reasons why you, you want to do this. Number one, let's just talk about day-to-day -day life, especially when you're young and you're just starting out. There, there used to be a lot of conversations and Eddie, I know you probably had these same, Hey, I just spent 30 bucks. It's not coming out of the bank yet. So don't, don't spend more than the, what's left in the balance with the $30, right? Like, when I say young, I mean, I'm talking like you're 21, 22, and you're living paycheck to paycheck. And, you know, a person stops and gets a full tank of gas instead of half tank of gas. And you got to call your spouse or send them a text 
and say, hey, I, I spent some money, so don't go eat out at lunch today and get a Starbucks. And then there's this back and forth or like I ate out and you can't, right? Like that's that creates tension and, and turmoil. So there's that. Number two, it's kind of along the same lines is holidays, birthdays. Hey, I spent some money. Don't look at the bank account because you'll you'll know what I got you, right? Like you'll know the store, yeah. you'll know the amount. Um, if you have your own money, then you're free to do what you want with it. You are free to spend a hundred dollars, two hundred, whatever you've got saved. I mean, that's your financial decision at that point. Oh, let me add, let's back up to my very first point about splitting the household bills. Bills you come into a relationship with or bills you undertake on your own for your own personal benefit are not household bills. So if you're getting married and your spouse has a car that's paid for and you just went and financed a brand new BMW M5, uh, that M5 is your bill. That is not a household bill. That is not your spouse's bill. Your spouse has a car that's paid for. So just to be clear about that, that, you know, so if your household bills, electric rent, uh, groceries, whatever, you know, your portion of that's $1,000 a month and your BMW M5 payment is $1,200 a month and you've got $2,200 a month in bills. That $1,200 does not get split. Like you came into the relationship with it or during the relationship, you decided to undertake that, that bill yourself. I want a gym membership. That's not a household bill. That's your gym membership that you're responsible right. for. It comes out of your personal set of funds. So that's an important part of it. That gives you the flexibility, number one, to do things for yourself and not feel guilty about it. Uh, it gives you the ability to surprise your spouse, which is critically important. You know, we talked about life's chaos and stuff like that. It allows you to be able to go out and do things for your spouse. Uh, just really spontaneously. You can save up for a couple months and do something big. You could just, I'm going to order them some flowers. I'm going to order them lunch and have it grub up to their work. And they don't know anything about it. Like they're not getting an alert on the phone that something went through the account. It's really peaceful. So it's nice to be able to surprise your spouse and be able to, to do those things. So I think that's kind of some of the day-to-day -day practical reasons of um, keeping your finances separate, uh, along with the safety net of be prepared for the worst and, and self-protection. The other thing that goes along with that, though, is keeping your credit separate. There's a real tendency for people to be, oh, we're married. We're both going to go put our name on the card. We're married. We're both going to go put our name on the mortgage. I want to be clear. You don't have to do that. And in fact, you should not do that. Prime example, the way we got started in real estate investing, to be very, very transparent here, is the house we bought, uh, Brittany earned enough money to qualify for the mortgage through a first-time home buyers program on her own. And, you know, we were sitting in the mortgage officer, and the loan's like, okay, I need your information. I'm oh, no, 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 Brittany's, this is her mortgage. She was like, you don't want to be on it? And I was like, no, I don't want to be on it. So she got the mortgage. What most people don't know is the mortgage is the loan. The deed is mm -hmm. the house. I was the added deed is the house, yep. Yeah, I was added to the deed as a spouse. You can add anybody yeah. you want to the deed. They don't have to be on the mortgage. Right. But that left my credit free for me to buy property. And our first investment property, I was able to go and get a conventional mortgage because I had no mortgage debt attached to me. You see, if you're both on the mortgage, you know, you've only got the the one property. Let's say you've got $50,000 of equity up when you buy it. Okay? Let's say that's how much you put down or whatever. 
but you're both saddled with the debt. So you both have $200,000 in debt. So on your credit report, when you go together, it looks like you have $400,000 worth of debt because you're both equally responsible for the debt. So by keeping it separate, I was able to go, and this is how much people don't think about this. When I, I applied for the mortgage for the, for the other property, the underwriter was like, yeah, but you guys already have a house. And I'm like, no, my wife has a house. And he was like, but don't you live there? And I was like, I do right now. And he was like, because it had to be a primary residence. And he was like, yeah, but you guys live there. Are you going to live apart? And I was like, yeah. He's like, but I was like, is there something illegal about living in separate housing as a married couple? He's like, well, no. And I'm like, well, which by the way, if you're buying investment property, use an investment lender. They don't really care, but I was going through a conventional bank. So, yeah. uh, but the point yeah. is I, I was able to get a better interest rate because again, it's just a small home owner occupied duplex and yeah, so it, it enabled us to get the first investment property because neither of us were tied to to both mortgages. Brittany wasn't on the first investment property mortgage. Now, every other property after that, we bought through our LLC, which actually isn't tied to our personal credit at all. We have to have the income to support it. It is underwritten through us, but it doesn't actually show up on your credit report. It shows up on the LLC, uh, the, the DMV for the LLC. So the point is, keep your credit separate. Keep the cars separate, and that should be a good indicator. Also, if you want, you know, I bought, I bought a Challenger, okay? I bought a Scat Pack, like $51,000, Um, I could have went and got a Hellcat, 80-some grand. It's not within my budget. That's my car. Brittany pays for her truck, right? She's got a 21 Ram 2500. She pays for her truck. I pay for my car. It's what we chose to drive. It's what we chose to purchase. So I didn't look at this like, oh, this is a household vehicle. I can afford the $85,000 car. No, John can't afford the $85,000 car. Like that's that's not what I want to do. So keeping your credit and your your money separate is my number one advice to everybody. It solves so many problems in your life and it protects you. Yeah, no, it it does. And we 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 don't follow that methodology exactly the same. I mean, we we definitely have multiple bank accounts. Um we have separate accounts, we have joint accounts. And you know, I think you know, the vehicles are a little bit different. So the, our financial situation is a little bit on a different side because when you're dealing with a lot of investment property, we're not on our end. Um, I do probably, my salary is a larger portion. Jerry doesn't work full-time. She works part-time um, by choice. I mean, it's, it's you know, this was what we chose to do from, from her uh, health perspective. And... Um, you know, she has, you know, has helped, had to spend a lot of time dealing with helping out, um, being caregiver, primary caregiver for a lot of family members. So a few years back, she just, or actually for a while, she stopped working. So again, we're in a situation where my job pays me well enough to where we can afford everything that we have um, without her having to work. So um, I do take care of a chunk of the, the large chunk of our um, bills and our household bills. And then again, I have, you know, my things, my credit cards, things that I pay for. She works to pay for her things. So, you know, again, like we talked about the exact same thing in that aspect, it's just the percentages. It's really kind of the same scenario. It's just the percentages are different. Yeah. Um, you know, she, her, her pay pretty much covers all of her credit cards, her spending money, her nails, her hair, things she wants to do. Um, and and we we do tend to keep most of that separate. Again, mortgage, um, 
my name, she's on the deed, same kind of scenario. Um, we do have a couple of things that we do have joint ownership of. Um, I think one of our cars is actually a joint ownership. Um, but I think everything else is pretty much either my name or her name. Like the, the last vehicle that, well, not the last vehicle that we bought because we just bought, <laughs> traded in my truck and got the Bronco. So, so that one, the Bronco's in my name because, you know, that was, that was my truck, even though she's driving it now, I'm driving the Mustang. So it's fine. Um, well, and you know, that makes sense. And I think that's, that's the point here when I said like, this doesn't fit everybody is there's a yeah. dynamic. Some people will want to be a stay at home spouse and it, it can be either way. Uh, and at that point, oh, then that's, that's the dynamic, but you still need to make sure that you're protected. Right. Like I would, I would argue, and Brittany is not a stay at home by any she she has to work she has she goes crazy in the house you know she took some time off when carter was born and she was about ready to pull her hair out end up starting a business well <laughs> she was out of decided not to work she starts a business uh so <clears throat> i i would argue that at that point you know your your spouse should probably give you an allowance and i know that seems really weird and some people are gonna be like what are you talking about i'm like yeah that person yeah. still needs a bank account that person still needs some autonomy to feel like yeah. yourself and anyone who's raised kids, like it's a full-time job. Like anyone thinks being a stay at home parent is, is a cakewalk. Oh God. No, absolutely not. No, no, no. Uh, You know, so I, I think that's just a level of discussion you got to have. You still need a, you still need a bank account and and something that you're not, um, that's liquid, right? Like it's cash money in case there's an emergency or or whatever you have access to. Yeah. Things happen. Yeah. Things uh, do happen. You know, I think you hit on something there too, right? I think it's, I think it's key that you have these discussions early on, right? As you're coming into the relationship and getting serious, like if, if you've gotten engaged at that point, you should be having the conversation. There's a couple, I mean, there's a lot of things you should definitely have planned out or at least figured out before you get married um, based on experience. I mean, I, I, again, I am no expert, although I have been married a couple of times. Yeah. <laughs> I, I'm, I'm at the pro-am level, right? <laughs> You and I both. I don't know. Maybe, maybe I'm a pro. I don't know. Um, but yeah, you should have those discussions on early on. Make sure that you're on the same page because if you're not, that could be a red flag. I think protecting yourself is key. Um, and and the other thing too is, and and you know, we talk about finances and bank accounts. The other thing you need to think about too, from a finance perspective, is okay. You have your separate accounts. Um, and you kind of protected yourself from if something goes wrong between the two of you. Um, but what about the other side? If something goes wrong with one of you, uh, and all of a sudden the other one's left to, to kind of take care of things. So while you may have separate accounts, I think it's critical and key to make sure that you have a will, um, power of attorney, the whole nine yards, everything that you need to have done right up front. And Jerry and I waited, we rolled the dice on that. We waited probably too long to get it done, but we did eventually get it done. Um, you know, I have, I have a really good life insurance policies, multiple. Again, another thing that we could probably talk about for hours is insurance and, and making sure you're protecting yourself. But, but you really want to make sure that if something were to happen to you, your spouse can pick up the pieces and take care of what needs to be taken care of. Cause you got to think about it. If something happens, you don't want, they're going to have enough on them anyway, right? Dealing with the loss of you, right? 
the worst, the last thing you want to do is add additional stress onto them. Like, oh my God, they were paying all these bills. I don't even have the passwords. I don't know where to get them. Um, everything's done online nowadays. Get a password manager. There's a ton of them. Um, LastPass is the one that I use. Uh, there's one password. Uh, I think Nord VPN service, the Nord service has one. I mean, there's, there's a ton of them. Uh, most of them have an emergency recovery uh, process. Like I know, I know how the one for LastPass works because that's the way we have it set up. Um, I have the family LastPass, and so we all put our passwords in there. Uh, again, don't use the same password everywhere. That's another joy of using this tool. You can have a billion passwords, and they can be complex. But there is a feature where if something were to happen to me and Jerry needed to get access to the accounts. She can go in and say, hey, I need all of his, I need access to the, his password vault to get his passwords. I have 24 hours to respond to that yes or no, because that's the way I configured it 24 hours. Because I figured if something happens to me, the last thing she's going to be worried about for 24 hours is trying to get those passwords. It's not like she has to do it right then. Um, it will automatically grant temporary access to the, to those passwords. Um, and so that way I don't have to respond. Um, if she tries to sneak and get them, I can go in and say, nope, can't have them. Uh, and, well, I mean, and, that's and, a, as that you bring up a couple of good points, the insurance point. So number one is also on insurance. Most people have insurance through their work. It's generally the cheapest term insurance you're going to buy. And a lot of times the cheapest whole life insurance you're going to buy is through your mm -hmm. work because there's purchasing power in bulk. But oh, you yeah. may get laid off. My company just went through layoffs. And two weeks ago, Eddie will tell you, man, I woke up that morning and there was a call with HR for 15 minutes on my calendar that afternoon. And I was like, oh, yeah. Right. And luckily, kept my job. Uh, a lot of 400 some odd people did not, though. And it, just like that, your work insurance goes away. That's number one. Number two is it's all either by phone or email, like you said, or online. And not that the people don't care, but it's a long and drawn out process in the immediate term. And funerals happen quick when people die suddenly, you know, within mm -hmm. seven days. Um, Brittany or I could call my insurance agent and he would have me a check within an hour deposited into my account. In fact, he would go, like the insurance office would literally go to my bank and put the money in if I needed them to. Um, he's like, it's just a phone call. They're, they're actually... They still have to process a claim and you have to provide all the documentation and stuff, but they have a process for up to $50,000 immediately. And they will write you a check right then uh, for that 50 grand cash and you go put it in the bank and you're able to pay for everything and any kind of emergency. Uh, insurance also needs to cover um, your, you need enough insurance to cover your expenses that you have out there, your liabilities. So, yeah, I talk about owning real estate. We got to have enough insurance to sort of kind of cover the real estate, but not really. We have enough insurance to cover our personal assets. The business assets pay for themselves, which actually brings up the point as an extension of wills and all that is to have the proper, if you're going to do these things, the proper business entities, number one, and the proper mm -hmm. structure, uh, number one, for tax reasons. Number two, most people don't realize that even with a will, you can be very specific. Wills can be disputed. Uh, you still have to go through probate. And if you do not have an executor of the estate named, the state becomes the executor, uh, oh, which yeah. is a very yeah. ugly process. 
the yeah, you don't want best that. thing you that you can do, in my opinion, that we do is to establish a trust. Yep. And the trust needs Probably to own agree. the assets because the trust becomes a citizen, basically. The trust is its own person. So you can die, and the trust has rules about how money is distributed and assets are handled in the event that the person who runs the trust, and there's different types of trust. Talk to an yeah, attorney, and you could have, get a CPA. Yeah, you, so the, the point is, like, you've got to, and to the point that this year we need to structure, we've both started some other businesses, so we have multiple LLCs. We actually need to move the trust owners of the LLCs. Uh, that way they're owned uh, if something happens to us. And we also need to move some more personal assets into the trust. And that's hard for people. It's hard to be like, nope, I'm going to sign my house over to this ethereal entity. And it's not my house. Like the trust is on the deed, right? Like I've, I've sent the deed to the trust and I'm paying a bill on something that my name's not on anymore. But uh, when done right, it There's is reasons. how you're... Yeah, it's how you're able to pass things down. There's no death tax. There's no estate tax that way. It is just the trust has it all. And there's no, you know, you can set rules. You hear, you you see the movies where like, you can't have the money until you're 18 or you're married. Yeah, you can set whatever rule you want in the trust and have attorneys administer it, right? Like uh, Brewster's Millions. Talk about memories. Brewster's Millions, right? So you had to that spend the money in order to get the rest of the money. It was a great movie. Um, it was a great movie. If you haven't seen it, we're going to segue. If you haven't seen it, Go watch it. I mean, it is a it's a cult. I, I don't know if I'd call it a cult classic, but it it, I, it I is think a it is cult classic. Vote none of the above. You got Richard Pryor yeah, and John Candy in it. Yeah, they, well, it's a really good cast from the 80s. But anyway, mm -hmm. all right. So, so I know we we've mentioned wills and insurance, and so I I know wills are scary. We were scared, we're nervous, and it sounds like oh my god, I need to talk to a lawyer. It's going to be expensive. I will tell you what. If you like, and, and a vast majority of people nowadays belong to a credit union. I mean, almost it seems like everybody and their brother has a, you know, a credit union and everybody and their brother is a member of that, you know, some particular credit union, whether it's Navy Federal or state employees or uh, what's the other one? Ally, Ally, is that one of them? There's that's one of the. No, online Ally, ones, right? Yeah, but there's a ton of credit unions out there. There's a ton of credit unions. Anyway, go talk to your credit union because a lot of the credit unions actually offer will services really cheap. I mean, like you can get it done for a few hundred dollars. And it's, it's legit. I mean, it's like you go in, you do an interview, they get all the information. Then they basically send you a packet. You fill out the packet, attorney reviews it. You meet with the attorney, you review everything, you sign everything. And then they provide you back with all the documentation you need, like everything that you need to send to all your insurance companies to, to say, okay, here's the, here's the trust that we need um, to be made the beneficiary of all these things or assigned to, to, to ownership of these things. Power of attorneys, a whole nine yards that will help with that. So go check out your um, credit unions. I think they're a great resource if you don't have a um, ton of money to spend on a will. It, they're super important, especially if you have kids. You, I mean, you, you, and it goes, I'm going to step just a little bit outside of the finance piece of it too, since we're talking about wills is something that you got to really think about. And a lot, I know when we were younger and started having kids, it wasn't the first thing on our mind. Cause we were young, you know, it was like, you don't think about dying when you're young. Um, most people don't. And if something happens, where are your kids going to go? Who's going to take care of your kids? Yeah. I mean, we've had this conversation multiple times. Who are you going to have take care of your kids? Because if you don't have it clearly defined, they could go to the state yeah. and you don't want that. And so it's, it's super, super important. Anyway, 
So I, I think, you know, insurance, you know, we talked about having enough to cover everything, have multiple places where you're getting your insurance from work. Again, you mentioned it work is the least expensive option, especially if you work for a large company, like I do, our, our life insurance is, is next to nothing. It's pennies on the dollar um, for a policy that we get. Um, most companies will provide a one, two or three times your salary, something like that, depending on what, whatever it is yeah. that's in their benefits package for no cost of, of term life. You know, that doesn't have a value unless something happens before the term is over. But if you, you know, I have term, I have whole life policies, whole lives are great. Get them when you're young, the older you get, the harder and more expensive they get. So get your children um, whole life policies. Yes. With, Gerber. With, I mean, yeah. Gerber. Yeah. We've got Gerber, Gerber policies. Gerber plans, the Gerber plans are great. You know, my kids, uh, and you can only buy so much. Um, yeah. Yeah, yeah, there's like, like one like basically straight up. It, the trust, this other thing, too, I don't want to get into insurance, but your trust can buy insurance policies because the trust has a vested interest in you as a beneficiary. So they have a financial interest in you. So the trust can then therefore take out insurance policies as well. I'm not going to start talking about MEX and, you know, the whole infinite yeah. banking thing, but it's real. It works. Um, I don't have that much money. You do okay. be able to fund it very well to start with, and you have to have overpayment riders, but whatever. I'm not gonna talk about that. That's a rabbit but hole. That is a it rabbit is a, it is a rabbit hole. So uh, there's a book called killing sacred cows. Uh, if you want to know more about it, read that one. So uh, Garrett horrible Gunderson, name. I think uh, it's a horrible name. Yeah. Um, so a couple of things there I'm going to touch on, then we'll move more back into, I think maybe we'll get into like investing in retirement after this, because this is kind of the safety thing. Uh, yeah, but yeah. number, number one is and I talked about having separate bank accounts. Your spouse doesn't have to have access to your account but your spouse does need to go in and fill out the right of survivorship, right? Because mm -hmm. if you die, that bank account is locked down and it's going to go through probate unless you have signed someone as right of survivorship. So if you have $10,000 in your bank account and you die, then, uh, why am I getting a call? Like, did you see that? Where did, where, was, where did that come from? Like, what was that? Like, Okay, like, whatever. Wait. I I guess StreamYard doesn't like my advice, but where did that whatever. come from? Um, I don't. You know, my my uh, Teams does that too. I don't know. Whatever. Anyway, so yeah, I mean, like, I don't. Where I mean, I'm not. We're not. Are we? Are we live streaming? I don't think we're live no, streaming. I don't think so. Anyway, uh, we haven't set anything up to live stream. Okay. Anyway, yeah. so set up the right of survivorship on your your bank accounts for each other. That's important or any other financial accounts, including brokerages and stuff like that. Any financial account that has assets in it, the other person needs to be listed as a, a right of survivorship. Um, that's number one. Number two is, oh man, like the thumbs down thing threw me off. It's just, it's just I was thinking, I was thinking, I was thinking about insurance. Uh, there's something else I want to say about insurance. Oh, no, 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 no. Power of attorney. Power of attorney. Okay. Now. You guys got to got to listen to this. So as a spouse, you are generally, generally have some say in the medical care of your other spouse if they're incapacitated. However, that is not legal and concrete. The hospital could be like, this person does not know what they are doing. No, 
out of our own self-interest to not get sued, we are not going to do the thing that you're telling us to do. You need a medical power of attorney in case your spouse becomes incapacitated on file. You need a legal power of attorney for the exact same reasons to be able to make legal decisions for your spouse. Uh, You know, right now, not the end of the parent thing, mom had to move in with me, dad is in the hospital. Dad is on so much pain medication that he cannot think straight. Mom does not have a medical or legal power of attorney on file anywhere that's been signed and notarized. They're listening to her, but the hospital's basically making a majority of the medical decisions, which they're making the right decisions. But legally, mom's kind of in this hole on on stuff that if dad doesn't improve, she's going to have to go to the court system and have him declared incompetent, which costs money, costs a heck of a lot more than just going and getting a piece of paper notarized. Mm -hmm. So make sure you have those things in place, I guess, is uh, the point I was going to make there, right? So there's just these all these little finite details uh, that, you know, I'm not sure that there's even a book that lists that I've ever came across. And I've had quite a few books on finances and stuff that really list like the minutia of like, you should do this and you should do this and you should do this. And that's one thing that wealthy people have access to as advisors that make sure all these things are in place for them. And it's things that Unless you go out and seek the information yourself, you're not going to know it. Odds are most Americans don't have a family that are in that situation where they've had advisors and they have parents to teach them these things. Or have been in any of these situations where they've had, uh, you know, oh crap moments. And too, I, I, too late, right? Tons, yeah, there's tons of horror stories out there. Like it, it, you talk about power of attorneys for your spouse. Well, here's here's another one that a lot of people don't realize is once your child turns 18, they are legal adult. And if that point, you can no longer make decisions for them. Um, so you need to have a power of attorney yeah, for your, your children. Your uh, shop is over 18, still living with you, going to college. And if something yep. was to happen to him, right? But you've got a power of attorney for him. So yep. yep. So if yeah, it's it's just and you know, those are actually free. You can go like if you're in North Carolina, I know for a fact you can go out because that's what we've done. You can go out there. Oh, the Department of Social Services has them. Yeah. Yep. Just go print it out, go down get it notarized, sign it in front of a notary, put it on file. That's it. I mean, it's, it's, it's not that, that big of a deal. I mean, those don't cost anything, but yeah, it's, we can again, talk a thousand years about insurance. Each one of these things, each one of these, each one of these things we could spend episode after episode on. Um, and I know we still got a whole bunch of other things that we want to talk about. Um, I know we're going to move into invest investing in 401ks and, and um, retirement type funds. And I know you have a ton of experience here, but before we dive down this rabbit hole, I do want to kind of say a couple of things and I'm sure you're going to touch on them, but you know, we we're, we're kind of focusing this show more on your, you know, your partner, your spouse type relationship, but some of this stuff goes over to your kids too. Um, One of the things that I did not do when we first got married and started having kids we'll start college funds. Um, and so from a financial perspective, that, that is a mistake that I made and I regret to this day. I wish we had, um, luckily we're in a situation where we can, you know, our, the kids that have wanted to go to college, um, they've been able to go to college. Hey, it's not a, you know, they're not going to high end four year universities, you know, high dollar, they're not going to Duke. Let's face it. Um, even if we, had the money for Duke. I'm not sure, not sure that they would have had the grade point averages to get in there. Um, 
you know, they're, they're, they're smart kids, but you know, they're, they're my kids. So I'm sure they've done some dumb things throughout their life. Um, but yeah, yeah. put, put money back for your kids. Um, just there's tons of research you could do on that college funds. Every state's different. Um, so anyway, there's a lot of, Oh man, I, I could just go down. So I'm going to give you some alternatives to just, so the college funds, the 529 plans. Okay. So yes. there's a 529 plan administered by every state in the country. And they're good. Uh, we did used to have those for the kids. Okay. So I'm going to give you some alternatives to funding a 529 plan. Start a business and make your children employees of the business. They do have to do a legitimate job function. Modeling is a legitimate job function. So if you have a one month old and you take their picture, the Screen Actors Guild's going rate for one photo session for the, the base level is $1,012, I think. So if you just take a picture of your kid once a month and update a website with your family photo because you're a family-owned business, that counts. <laughs> There's probably some tax people out there going, no, 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 no. Just talk to a CPA about this. The point is, make your kid an employee of the company, okay? Number one, you can pay your child, you get a deduction, but that's not what I'm talking about. The more important thing is, you can fund your child's 401k and it's non-taxable. It's not a taxable event for them. You can fully fund their 401k as an employee up to $18,000 a year. Mm -hmm. Okay. So you could fully fund a 401k every single year for your child at $18,000 a year. I know people are like, I don't have 18 grand to give my kids. That's fine. You can put whatever you got in there. It's 100, 200, whatever you would put in a 529 plan, you can put in a 401k. Number yep. two you can also do the same thing for a Roth IRA up to $6,000. And that's a total of $24,000 that you can actually pay your child. That's a non-taxable event for them. And so that would offset the, it worked the same as the 529 and give you more flexibility because the 529s are very locked down on what investments you can make. Yeah. But I'm going to tell you why we stopped the 529 plans for the kids. Number one, they were not performing well. Um, there was very limited investments and it was okay. Um, Compounding interest is always nice. The fees were high. Uh, I, again, I could talk about it's good on four hundred one k. Also, there's fees that you pay in whatever you're invest, whatever fund you're investing in, and the fees were really high. The management fees, I didn't didn't like that. But as we began to set out on the real estate journey, I would actually challenge everybody if you wrap your head around this. And I know you might be young. When your child's born, if you buy an investment property and set it up on a fifteen year mortgage, so you buy the property at least by the time they're three. And even if the property is neutral cash flow, that's not going to hurt you and it's not going to help you as far as finances. It's just, it's a wash. The house will be paid for by the time your child goes to college. Okay. The renters are going to pay the mortgage. House is going to get paid off in 15 years. At that point, you have the option of either converting the cash flow monthly into payments to pay for their college. So $1,000, $2,000 a month, whatever that is, depending on where they're going to college. But let's say your kid's like, dad, I got into Harvard. And then four years later, they're like, I got into medical school. You can sell that property at three or $400,000. Or what would actually be better would be just go put a mortgage back on it and keep the property, get a mortgage at 80%. You're going to walk away with a non-taxable event of $250,000 in your bank account and you just pay cash for college. So we actually own real estate. And that's one of the things that we're like, we can just sell the real estate, refinance the real estate and pays for the kids college. Now um, I was actually looking at our, our kind of numbers today and we, 
I've been investing in real estate since 2019. Yeah, 2019 is when we bought our first investment. We bought our house 2018, bought our first investment property 2019. So it's four years in and not counting our own property. I have a little over half a million dollars in equity currently in real estate. Four years. I went from zero to half a million dollars in four years of equity. Now, I don't want to sell the properties, right? It's all it's all locked up. But if something happened, I could sell the real estate as quick as I could sell it and walk away with half a million dollars. Uh, so I would tell you that there's other ways other than a 529 to think about paying for education for Absolutely. kids uh, and invest starting a business. Um, just straight up buying a basic annuity. Uh, there, there's a lot of things that you can do um, other than 529s, but 529s are, are great. Um, I think the point you're making here is which is where I was going with investing is start early, start early, right? like, like start early. Um, that's compound interest is amazing. Yeah. And it's, yeah, this doesn't matter what it is, 401k, your, your college fund, any, even buying those life insurance policies, start early. Um, if, if you're looking at, um, whole life insurance policy, you really want to get those early because they're expensive. Um, the older you get, they get more expensive, you know, because they're really based on your health and your risk. Right. But it has a cash value. Um, and so when, once you're done paying on that thing, it, you have that money. Um, so yeah, it, it it's, uh, the, one of the mistakes that I made was, was not putting enough into 401k when I was younger, you know, Thank again, you. we started out, didn't have a lot as I was getting early, whereas I was early on in my career and starting to, to earn some cash out, I was making decent money. I wasn't definitely wasn't well off, but you know, made enough to pay my bills, had some spending money. I was like 401k. God knows I could put 3% in there. I didn't, I didn't really understand it. And again, didn't have a, an advisor, didn't have, you know, anybody to really talk to, wasn't paying for one. I mean, I probably had access to one through my company, but I didn't take advantage of it. Um, didn't seem important. Retirement seems so far away. And now here I am a lot closer to retirement than probably I would actually like to be. Um, part of me is wanting to get there, but the other part of me is like, yeah, I'm not ready for that yet. Uh, yeah, it, it, it doesn't seem like a lot. Here's the thing, right? 401ks, you work for a company where you've got a match. Now I have a pension. I, I worked for, for a financial institution for almost 20 years and I started there very young. Pensions were still a thing. They almost don't exist anymore. Uh, we yeah, you'd, be, you'd be lucky to, unless you're in a union job, you're probably going to buy a pension. Yeah, yeah. And so I had the option to keep the pension and move or move to a um, their newer 401k policy that they had at the time. Uh, I opted to keep the pension um, because I felt, that, well, I didn't feel, I knew that the company I was working for was financially stable. Um, I knew they weren't going anywhere. And I knew that I, I felt confident that leadership wasn't going to trash that pension mainly because it's a family owned company and most of the family had the pension. So they were, they were all about taking care of it. Uh, so I, I felt that I rolled the dice and I think I've, I've done well there, but so 401k, if you don't, if you're young, you're just figuring them out. Um, you don't know what's going on. It's pretty simple. If your company is matching whatever percentage it is, that is free money. Let me say that again. Free money. Um, and don't it is a great way to save. If, if you're struggling to save money for a first home, 
it's actually a great way to stroke. Now, mm -hmm. people are going to tell you different things about taking out a loan on your 401k, but you can take a loan out, number one, for emergencies. It's always yep. an emergency fund. Hospital, medical, something severe happens, hardship, even I don't have a car to get to work. That actually qualifies as a hardship, but you yep. can take the money out. At a, and, and here's it. Number one, it's a lower interest loan. Number two, you're actually paying yourself the interest. When you pay it back through payroll deductions, it is actually, you pay yourself the interest. So you're banking on yourself. Uh, there it is again. Look at that. There's a thumbs up. All right. Yeah. I like that one. Pay yourself. Um, <laughs> pay yourself. So, like so look, this book, this is not a motivational book by Tony Robbins. Money, Master the Game by Tony Robbins. So he interviews some of the wealthiest and most famous financial advisors. And this book is very much the traditional um, route of investing. 401k, CDs, you know, long-term buy and hold positions in investing. Talks about getting a financial advisor. Really, this is where I really learned about 401k fees. And it is shocking how much they actually damage you. So I had gotten to the point in my own 401k when I was putting money into it where I almost exclusively had Vanguard uh, ETFs uh, that were managed by Vanguard because the it's basically a nonprofit. They don't charge hardly any management fees for it. It's very low. Whereas, you know, some of these other more well-known, and I'm not going to name names, but, you know, they're charging 3 4 5%. Um, management fees and like it's not taking money out of your account. You just don't see the return, right? So it's a misnomer. Like you're like, oh, I made 4%. Well, yeah, but had you not been paying that management fee, you made 6%. And that 2% right. compounded over 10, 15, 20, 30 years is a Bottom massive money. number. And so that's where I really like it's that's a great book. That is, that is where I learned the most about traditional investment routes, actually. Uh, so I highly recommend that because look, I'll sing the lauds of buying real estate all day long. And I'm going to tell you that you can do it. That is not hard. The last two properties I bought, I bought with no money out of pocket. Um, it's, I, I'm not going to get into that, but the point is you can do it. If you learn how I spent three years learning how to buy real estate and invest in real estate, but that's not for everybody. You have your risk level that you have to understand what you're willing to tolerate, what you're willing to deal with. Some people want to set it and forget it. And you know what? A 401k is a set it and forget it, you know, until you get older, uh, 401ks, IRAs, uh, hidden secret, your HSA account. You can fund your HSA account. And once you get to a certain balance, if you fully fund your HSA account and you're not using a lot of the money out of it, you can, not every one of them, good ones, most of them, you can take that money that's over. So I think mine's like, if you got two grand in there, anything over two grand, you can put into a brokerage account. It's very limited, like a 401k. It's all safe investments. But you can put that money in your HSA account and invest it in your HSA. Now, while you're under, I want to say 65 or 67 and a half, I think 67 and a half, you got to use it on medical expenses or you got to pay taxes yeah. on it. But past that, you can actually just take the money out of it. It's like a retirement account. Yeah. So most people don't know that. There's a lot of these little... It's all about it research. It is about research. So HSA it's a lot about research. another. Yeah. So if your employer is going to match or fund an HSA for you, um, fund the crap out of it, man. Like oh, yeah. the worst that's going to happen is if you have to use the money, you have to declare it on your taxes and pay taxes on it. I mean, yeah. that's, that's not that big of a deal. You're just like, well, I'll spend a thousand dollars because my car broke down. Okay. So you're yeah. going to pay your income tax rate on that thousand dollars. Like it's not a big. That's not you, a yeah, big you, would deal. Paid, you would have paid it anyway, right? 
So I don't have a book. I don't have a book to share, but since you brought up Tony Robbins, I do have a Tony Robbins iPhone right here. Yeah. That's uh <laughs> this is my uh, iPhone. He is a big guy, man. He is a big guy. No, he is a he's uh, a large dude. I mean, not he's, he's a, not he's a large. large. He's a giant. What what was the song uh, from Popeye? He's huge. The olive oil singing. Oh god, he's large. Wait, we That's right. He's large. <laughs> Shelley Duvall, yeah, another Shelley. another cult classic. Robin Williams, Shelley Duvall, Popeye. If you haven't seen that one, which if you're not as old as us, you probably haven't, go back, watch it. It is great. Oh, uh, man. We are about at the hour mark. I, I mean, we could go on. There's so much to get into around finances. Um, Number one, my final piece of advice. Fix your freaking credit. Jeez, people. Like, I, I'm going to tell you right now, there's a subset of people that think it's is impossible. I used to think that I had like a 400 credit score in 2013. Um, you know, it is substantially better than that now. It's about owning up, being responsible, doing the right things. There's a ton of books and resources about um, how to repair your credit, and you can do it on your own. You don't have to pay some agency. In fact, don't. Don't use one of those agencies as a general gist that I tell people because the way they do some stuff could actually negatively impact your credit in the short term. Yeah. Uh, but fix your credit. Like a lot of people I have talked to, uh, their number one reason why they can't buy a house or a property isn't for a lack of the ability to come up with, you know, first time home. I mean, in fact, I saw something from Rocket Mortgage today on Facebook. Because uh, I'm I'm in real estate, so I get all these real estate related like mortgage ads and stuff on my Facebook feed. Um, they have a program for listen, one percent down, and Rocket Mortgage will cover your PMI. So PMI is property mortgage insurance. So if you're putting down less than twenty percent on a property, you have to have property mortgage insurance. Um, That's a so significant amount too. Yeah, it is. It is. It's uh, anywhere. Based on the value of the house, and now there, it's it's going to be at least two hundred dollars a month, you know, right? Yeah, now. at uh, least on a, a two hundred fifty thousand dollars house, it's going to be about two hundred dollars a month. So, um, I literally replied back to their ad because it was one of the head comments. Turned, I was like, "Oh, absolutely, nothing can go wrong with this program. Let's just give people houses again, like we did in two thousand and five, and watch the real estate market implode." Whatever, I'm going to get on a soapbox. Point is, it's not for a lack of being able. There's a ton of first-time home buyers programs. The FHA program has always been three to three and a half percent now, and you get a decent interest rate. There's some fees attached to an FHA loan, but it's rolled into the mortgage. You put down three and a half percent. Okay, so as long as you got the income level, the debt-to-income ratio to support it, and you have a credit score, and honest God, FHA starts at six forty. Mm-hmm. As long as yep, you have a credit, credit score, six eighty would be better. Let me have at least a credit score of like six eighty. If you got the money down, you've worked in your job for at least two years, you're golden. But I know people that they refuse to fix their credit. They refuse to be responsible and go, you know what? I did have a $5,000 credit card that I just let lapse and I owe five grand on. Now, it's been in collections. You can settle it for less. You can put it on payments and still pay it off. But they you refuse to do it, it to get it together. off their credit. That'll drop off after 10 years, but 10 years is a long time. You're talking the difference between 20 and 30. Yeah, and, uh, that's you know that's assuming it doesn't get resold multiple times, which they usually do. They do, and yes. yeah. So that whole I mean, there's ways again, and I think uh, you're right. Fixing your credit 
critical and credit score impacts everything now. It used to be, it was just, yeah, it used to be just more around the interest rate you pay and your ability to get a loan. But now I it's was like, hired for a job and then they ran my credit because I had to have a company credit card and company expense account. I was hired, was in the process of packing and moving, and they called me and said, you're not hired because yep. of my credit. It, it affects your ability to get a job. It affects your the rate you pay on automobile insurance, which it seems odd, but it does. Yeah. It, 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 it literally impacts everything because it's not just really about how you use your credit. It, it tends to. It's a representation of whether or not you're trustworthy. Yeah. That's why I like some of your credit scores. Like does your information match? This agency has this address. This one has that address. This one has this employer. That one, it shows that you're unstable. You job hop, you move. It all yeah. ties into it. And they're just like, that's not a stable person that we're going to be able to track down. You know, you need to make sure all your information matches on all the major reporting agencies and clean it all up. Yeah. And that's, that's a, that's a really, really good advice. I, th- I think for me, my final thought is, and I mentioned this a few minutes ago is, is really, it's about research, right? There's a lot of information out there. There's a lot of different ways you can do things and, and you, you hit the nail on the head. No, there's not one scenario. There's not like the, 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 the magical silver bullet that's going to work for every single person, right? You have to kind of figure out what, what is your, where are you at in your, your um, season of life, as we've talked about, right? What stage of life are you at? Are you the early part of your life? You're not married yet. You're just getting married. Um, you've been married for three years and now you've had, you're having your first kid. I've got four kids that are going off. I'm two years from retirement. It, it, it's all going to vary. And there's ways you can, you can build your finances. Even if you start late, like I did, you can still do a lot of things, but it boils down to understand what your goal is, research, you know, what your options are. And yeah, absolutely. If you can afford um, or if you have access to an advisor, a financial advisor or a CPA or ask your friends, because sometimes somebody knows somebody that's like, oh, yeah, I got a buddy of mine. He'll talk to you for for an hour about blah, blah, blah. And he won't charge anything. Uh, credit unions, you know, your company. I mean, if you work for a large company, um, you know, more than likely, if they have a 401k at your company, or you have stock or some type of retirement fund, they're going to give you access to um, financial advisors. Um, It may be a limited access, but it may be enough to get started and point in the right direction. So take the time, do the research, don't wait, start early. Right. I think, you know, and if you didn't start early like me, go back and, and figure out where you need to, what you need to do to get where you need to be, because it's important from a retirement perspective. Well, and that that's good. If you're late and you're like, oh, I can't start early. Like I, I did too. I didn't buy my first investment property till 42. And I think I've mentioned this a couple other other episodes. Is the, the reason that's the route I went is I didn't have enough time to compound. What I could afford to put into a 401k, I didn't, I'm not in a position to max it out when I started, right? I couldn't put in 18 grand a year. And even if I did put in 18 grand a year, I still would have to work well into my 60s, late 60s, uh, in order to make sure I had enough money to kind of retire on. There's formulas like to calculate how much you need. Mm-hmm. Um, now my goal, I'm 46. My goal is by the time I am 55, 
not saying I will, yeah, but to yeah. have enough money to where I could retire. And what I mean by that is my primary residence is paid for, and I have enough income coming from investment properties to offset my job. So that's my goal, right? So that also gets into a little bit, uh, I didn't really touch on about managing your finances as lifestyle inflation. You can, how much money you need is dependent on what you want. There's a great, a great clip Gary Vaynerchuk does where he's talking about don't pay yourself so much out of your company. And the guy's kind of battling him out in the audience. And he was just like, do you need four sport coats or do you need three sport coats? Do you need to drive a BMW or can you drive a Chevy? Right. And it's like, do you need to take five vacations overseas every year or can you take one? Doesn't mean sell yourself short and not enjoy things. Right. But at the same time, you know, and I know I've definitely mentioned this one, Brittany and I decided not to buy a bigger house when she was pregnant with uh, Carter, baby number four. We're in a three bedroom house. And I'm just like, but you know, that's such a short blink. And that mortgage on that property is 30 years, way longer than the kids are going to be at home. Like we yeah. can make do. The kids are not going to die sharing a bedroom. No, we're not going to keep up with the Joneses. I'm not going to go buy a $300,000, $400,000, $500,000, $600,000, $700,000 house and have a $3,000 a month mortgage payment when I've got a $900 a month mortgage payment and a house that is perfectly fine in a nice neighborhood. You know, I'm at the point where I'm like, man, like me paying off this house in the next couple of years is going to be real. And then my primary is paid for, right? Like that's a game changer. You don't have to worry other than paying taxes. You don't have to worry about where you live. So, you know, lifestyle, how you live, what you choose to do, do you need to finance a car or are you okay paying 12 grand cash for a decent used vehicle? Th those are all things that only you can answer for yourself. And we all have wants in life um, and things that we enjoy. And, and we should have some of those luxuries, but at the same time, you know, you, you probably could live way less than what you have. If you think about, especially yeah. if you're older, Right. If you're in your late 30s, early 40s, and you're kind of trying to figure this stuff out now, look at where you were in your 20s and what you lived on and you did fine and you were okay. And now mm -hmm. you're in your 30s and 40s and you're earning double or triple. Like, come on. You 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 don't need to spend paycheck to paycheck. You know that. Absolutely. All right. Well, a little about an hour ish yeah. time we do some edits, maybe. I don't I don't know. Anyway, Hopefully we're close. With people. Yeah, I, I hope that helps y'all. Like, really. And maybe we'll do, if we get good feedback, maybe we'll do another. We can go more in depth on credit cards, for example, or how, how you do credit card hacking, because me and Eddie both, I mean, not we're not extreme with it, but we both definitely leverage points and, oh yeah, you know, travel and stuff like that. So it's it's pretty nice. That's good. I And I think, you know, I'm going to put stick a plug in here real quick, because I think we'll figure out how to do this. We, you, you and I talked about it. One of the things that we want to try to, start doing at some point in these episodes as we get you know as our follower followers grow please share like subscribe click the button all those things um let us know if you got questions like if there's topics that we can cover if there's a specific question you'd like to get our point of view on um you know or something you need help with hey leave us a comment we'll answer it you know glad to do it you know that's we're here to try to Again, like we said at the beginning, we want to try to have a little bit of fun on here. I know some of them we go off the rails a little bit, but, you know, occasionally we want to hopefully share some good nuggets. I think there was a lot of information here. 
Um, again, we're not we're not financial advisors. This is not paid. We are not. Yeah. We are not. Yeah. <laughs> this is this is us sharing life experience and and giving some suggestions. That I think the crux of it is just go go find out what works for you, um, and and do something right. Hopefully, we were able to provide some some insight and, and some learnings from our experience. So, thank you. Good times, man. Good times. All right. So we'll see you next episode. Same bat time. Same bat channel.